Hey everyone, welcome to It's the Daily Grind podcast. Season one, episode one, I am super excited. Didn't actually think this was gonna happen and here we are. (laughs) So our first guest is MT, Michael Taylor. He's the Gonzaga strength and conditioning coach for my former team, women's tennis. And I think it's only fitting that I have him on the podcast first because it was really when I was lifting in weights with him that I decided to do this and kind of just have run with the idea ever since. He is someone that just completely embraces what it means to grind and embraces the daily grind. He is full of energy every morning when he walks into the gym and he's just been like such a light in my life and the life of my teammates. So I'm really excited for him to come on and share all of his wisdom and radiate positive energy in your life. I hope you can learn from his experiences, just how he responds and how he chooses to live each day. right now we I are hope so we are good episode one take one the Incredible. only take we're gonna get the first take <laughs> yeah you're a fitting first guest because one i thought of this in your weight room i love that two you love coffee and i love coffee and this is a coffee conversation absolutely so cheers cheers to that if anybody asks this is coffee even though i've had <laughs> three cups already today <laughs> just forget the tea bag in mm-hmm. there <laughs> that's inconsequential Thank you so much for being on this. <laughs> of course. You are my I love it. you are my daily grind guy. But I want to start with the question of the pod, which is what season of life are you in right now? Yeah. The season of life that I'm currently in, I would say I think it's one of one being really present, but also in the kind of in the back of the mind having kind of those goals that I've had for myself out in front of me as well. So in that sense, loving where I am, certainly not wishing myself out of here, but also understanding like, hey, there are still some goals that I have, things that I want to do and achieve, but how do I navigate that? And it's so interesting to be here at 33 when I kind of started this whole thing of a career and like adulthood, adult life, um, which avoid that at all costs if you can. Seriously. I'm not the bachelor I was, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy crap, I've got these dreams and aspirations. And then you think about like raising a child. It's like, oh my gosh, where does my career fit into that? Like, how do I provide for that? Do I want to think about chasing a career move just to chase the career move? So with that in mind, it's like, how do I approach this in a manner that's like really smart and wise and kind of honors both of those things. Like, yes, I'm still looking towards the future of like these goals that I've set in place and that Abby and I have agreed on, like we kind of want to achieve together. So it's that kind of like funny balance of really being here, being where your feet are. I don't remember who I heard say that, but I love that because it just, it's a reminder of like be in that moment where you are in that place in time, you know? Because mm-hmm. the reality is like, I can't look back and change what's past and I can't really manipulate the future either um, but if I'm really present and aware of what's going on right now I think I t- 
take the the next best step forward with that. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And then I think a huge thing to overlay with that too is just like for me personally, like my faith and like prayer life has been super important in that of do I give the space and time to like slow down and like hear God speak, Mm -hmm. you know, but it can be very easy for me to like, okay, God, I'm going to take over. Let me drive for a little bit Mm -hmm. versus being patient and not like just trying to be utterly self-sufficient. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that interesting crossroads. Like we're both in a crossroads, but at different times. Cause I'm like, okay, I've just spent the last four years here playing and now there's so many options. I'm overloaded with choices of like where to go and who I want to be and what does the next chapter look like. But then you're at a different crossroads. You spent about the same amount of time here as I have. I call it like the middle season. There's a lot of confusion. Like you're trying, you have to stay present, right? To enjoy life. But at the same time, you're like, I can't help but look into the future because something is coming and I'm going to need to make decisions. And so I'm in the middle. I'm trying to stay present, but I need to look to the future. And it's so messy, but it's so mandatory. You can't just be like, I'm going to wake up. This is what I'm going to do. This is my next season. I love what you said, though, that like it's necessary Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to want to skip over stuff that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I operate literally in a career where my job is to like plan stress. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think that parallel of like what takes place in the weight room and what takes place in life is it's like really hard for me to separate sometimes Mm -hmm. because I'm like, this is like your life lesson right here. Right. We're going to do these things that are hard and are going to suck and they're going to push you. But the flip side of that is you come out on the other side and you realize like, dang, not only could I handle that, but I've adapted and now I can actually handle more than I thought I was capable of. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same goes for life where you're going to go through something and it's going to be just awful. And you need that. And in the moment, like there's going to be a span of time where it's like you have to feel all the feels. Mm -hmm. You have to feel angry, you know, abandoned, whatever it is Mm -hmm. to then experience that growth and come out on the other side. And then you have kind of that like hindsight 2020 vision where it's like, oh, actually, this is why this happened. Mm -hmm. So in the moment, like if you can pick yourself up briefly out of those moments where it's like really crappy and then be like, Okay, this is going to happen for a reason. There is going to be a reward at the end of this. I'm going to just have to hang on a little bit longer, suffer a little bit longer maybe. And I think the other thing too, at least for me, that was helpful is the idea of like, I don't want to feel sorry for myself. Yeah. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to be hard. Experience kind of the suck of life as it were. But if I can spend most of my time not feeling sorry for myself, that makes that like that much easier. What has been either the hardest season for you or the season that has made you really change? I think the one that really sticks out to me the most was in fact like having my girlfriend cheat on me. And so. Which if I had found out sitting in this chair, I think I would have like passed out. (laughs) Well, at least you're sitting down. (laughs) Yeah. I found out a few days ago. Um, Wait, what song was playing? Oh, it was Payphone by Maroon 5. Yeah, and he was like, 
this song hits different when you've been cheated on. And every girl in that weight room dropped their weights and snapped their necks back at MT and were like, are you okay? <laughs> MT, you were cheated on. And then we just went off on whoever that poor woman is now. But um, so I'm glad that we talked about that. So I was emotionally prepared yeah. for that. But our audience probably isn't. So mm-hmm. expand on that season. Yeah, so this was at least 10 years ago, which is hilarious because everybody in that you mentioned previously who was like, what the heck? How does this even happen? Like, we're 10 years down the road. We're fine. <laughs> um, but it, it was a tough one because, like, it legitimately was the first girl I'd ever been in love with. Mm-hmm. You have that overlaid with, at the time, like, we're doing long distance and, like, I'm not trying to be a clingy boyfriend, but you mentioned this guy who's like a friend from high school and you've been hanging out and, but he knows about me. I'm like, okay, well I trust you. Right. I don't have any reason not to trust you, which is always fun when you're like, I trust you until I find out that I don't trust you. you right. Know? And then you're uh, like, great. I have to learn how to trust someone yeah, again. You're like sweet. <laughs> and so this all takes place end of my first year in grad school. So this is 2013. And then there was this, Super awesome period, he says sarcastically, uh, where this all went down and was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to remove myself emotionally. So I'm not going to feel whatever, which is also like weird to think back on and be like, that's totally not how I am. Long distance, out of the picture, rug being pulled out from underneath me. And so for that next year, like thankfully in grad school, I'm like, all right, I'll just play intramurals lift, whatever, hang out with friends, not really have any attachment, but still just stuff where it's like, I don't have to feel emotionally. Like if a girl's interested in me, like whatever, I don't care about her emotions, which is in hindsight. Now I'm like, sweet. I was a super asshole about this. (laughs) Like, and not that I did anything like, which now I'm going to like try and defend myself. Uh, not that I did anything that was like egregious by any means Mm -hmm. or that I'd be like, oh, I'd be really disappointed if somebody found out, but it was, like, not emotionally healthy whatsoever. And so you look back on that, and this this all kind of culminates in me finding out that I'm going to move to Virginia, Mm. uh, end up moving into a house with a bunch of guys who, like, did Young Life. I did Young Life growing up through high school. And so it became, like, this super healthy environment to actually be living in, like, I've got great community. I've got guys who love Jesus. And in that move to Virginia, I was like, okay, I need to like full on hit reset. Cause even like my faith at that point was like, mm, just going to check this box, you know? And so really dug into that, like was in a Bible study and it, it took a year and a half of like just about every day journaling, praying, reminding myself of like, who I am in God and not just being selfish and doing things my own way. And so a year and a half goes by and then I meet Abby and is like, okay, I'm actually like a ready for this, but I've arrived at a point where I knew like what I wasn't going to settle for. And I knew I was going to be one completely emotionally available, but also like as open and honest and forthright about everything that I could be. And so I look back at that relationship that totally imploded. I'm like, well, there's no way this would have worked out 
Like if she and I were together, things would not be the way they are. And there would have probably been resentment and a lot of like settling one way or the other. And it's yeah. like, well, that's not healthy for anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that happened to me, my thought process would be like, I'm not enough. Like, how could I not be enough for this person who I thought loved me, who I thought, you know, was all in. And there's a quote I just heard, like, the most vulnerable thing about being in love is trusting that the other person loves you. Yeah. And that's so hard when you're kind of on this path of, like, you're not committed because you're not engaged, Mm -hmm. but you're really committed. And are they just as committed as you? And so... I kind of want to go back when that rug was being pulled under you. What is the thing like that you journaled about, that you prayed about? What was the brokenness inside that you needed to heal? And you said journaling was part of that, but like what else was part of that? Like what healed you in that? But Um, what did you need healed? Definitely resentment. Um, And I, I think to an extent too, like, okay, so I wasn't good enough. I think we all kind of struggle with that. Now, it might look a little bit different based on, like, how a guy's going to respond versus a girl. But I think that was definitely part of it is, like, okay, what what is my self-worth, you know? Uh, what does that look like? And then, yeah, the resentment was definitely a huge part of that as well of, like, not necessarily, like, having ill will for her, but, like, being, like, how crappy do you have to be? Right. That was the other thing is like, I want to be able to trust again. Yeah. Um, so there's like that resentment. It's like, how do I learn to trust again? Because I just had my emotions totally like manipulated basically mm-hmm. into thinking that things were one way when they weren't. And then, oh, by the way, they aren't even close to what you thought they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the two big things. And, and then in journaling is just like going through that and trying to understand that. And those things kind of became like, these deeper level things of okay, this actually carries into what my self-worth was or how I viewed myself or all these things. Um, and I think in some ways for me, like not that we were engaged or even married at that point was like, am I going to be a capable provider mm. like going forward? Mm. Like, is that something that somebody's going to recognize or see in me even value that aspect of like, maybe what I could bring to the table in a relationship. Yeah. Even heartbreak, which it can be completely friendly. Heartbreak is so hard. So then to add on that, this extra level of like betrayal and just blatantly being lied to Mm -hmm. by someone that probably you considered your best friend, you considered that person to be in the following chapters of your life. I feel like that too is a crossroads. Like, how Mm -hmm. am I going to respond? Like you said, for a period of time, maybe there were things that the response wasn't healthy and it wasn't productive to being like (laughs) the man you are now. But then at the same time, you did respond differently in a different setting with different people. So I think like that's such a good lesson is one, whenever something happens like that, you're at a crossroads and Mm -hmm. you actually get to choose. Like, Don't let the hurt or brokenness define how you're going to act. And then the second thing is like, who are you surrounding yourself with? And are these people just going to be like, do whatever you want and you deserve some happiness and you deserve some slack? Or are these people going to be like, glad that you shed that person from your life? Let's get back on the path of finding 
more people in your life or the right person. Mm-hmm. You hit the nail on the head with who are you surrounding yourself with? Because it's easy to find people that'll be like, yeah, you should just be happy and like whatever. And it's like, no, I need somebody to tell me like what I need to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even when you're hurting, it can be hard to have somebody be like, this is actually the truth that you need to hear, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. So I think that's a huge thing is like, who are the people you surround yourself with? Is Are they a people that you trust? Which that can be hard to navigate when you're like, I just have my trust totally like walked all over. So am I trusting everybody right now? Or Mm -hmm. what's that even look like? But having those people that you can trust and people you know that are going to like actually shoot you straight. So while you're taking a sip, let's talk about coffee for a second. (laughs) Favorite coffee, go. So like go-to latte or iced latte, depending on the season. So like when Abby and I travel or if I'm traveling, like, my favorite way to kind of experience a new place is to like try and check into the local coffee scene. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, Cause you just kind of get a good feel for like what the local scene is rather than like even be like, well, there's Starbucks. So I'll go for that. And I'm like, I try to not drink Starbucks at all costs, <clears throat> partly cause I worked there for a brief moment in time when oh, I was I in Charlottesville. Those were the dark days of Charlottesville. Um, I try not to talk about those. That's what this podcast is all about. I know. So we'll, we Talking can talk about, about that. the dark days. So the dark days of that was one, like Starbucks does their thing to be consistent. Mid. Vi- <laughs> mid might be generous. And so they do their thing. Um, and it wasn't until getting into the local shop where it's like, yeah, this is way better. So working at Grit, like all of a sudden you have these regulars roll through and you get to know them and you know their order and like you do the thing where you you see them coming and you like you already have the drink going for them and then the tips are more yeah whereas like starbucks it's like how many can we get in 30 minutes and all i really care about is like the numbers we're generating and like that totally doesn't fit my style at all yeah (laughs) i have this theory that you can taste when coffee's made with love Um, oh absolutely and Made with love is like time Mm -hmm. and the right measurements Mm -hmm. and, you know, making the drink maybe with me in mind. Like some of the baristas here around campus. Oh, yeah. They do that. And you can totally taste a difference. Some days I'm like, it's the exact same thing, but it just tastes different. Like the proportions are off. Something isn't right. And so Mm -hmm. when I open a coffee shop, because that is on my bucket list. Anyone That's that, a great bucket list item. Anyone out there that... I will show up for the grand opening. Thanks. And wants, the soft opening. Wants to sponsor me. Do you have money? You have money to give me? That's what Not I really need. Not yet, but as soon as I have capital, I'd love to buy in. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be made with love. That's for sure. I wanted to ask you, what are the daily habits you put into place to do the daily grind? The daily practices... Gosh, well, I'd love to sit here and say that I'm like, oh, yeah, I sleep eight hours every night and like, which is just not realistic. Except if you're one of his athletes, then you should be sleeping. Yeah, if you're, if, yes, correct. If you're one of my athletes, you need to be sleeping eight hours. So kind of the, the day to day, um, for me, it's like, I don't know if process is the right word. Like for an athlete, it's like appreciating the process of getting better and the process of like okay, I'm going to train today and I'm going to show up and practice and do these things. 
that are moving me forward. I would say for me, it's kind of like, and I don't even know if monotony is the right word. Like, I don't feel like my days are monotonous, but it's embracing the rhythm. Let's go with that. So embracing that rhythm of like, okay, I'm going to, I wake up and 515, I'm up and rolling. I'm making my coffee. I like to listen to daily audio Bible in the morning. So I just like make coffee dressed and ready to go. And like, we're out the door. There is that element of like making that conscious decision of how you're going to show up. And so like, I can either decide to show up and like, Oh, I'm going to be tired and dog it and feel crappy or be like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to show up. I'm going to choose joy like my tattoo says. And it gets even easier to do that. But I think the other thing too, like for me is I just like kind of committing to being like relentlessly positive and maybe even annoyingly positive. Having that balance and understanding the energy that I bring and like the environment that I'm going to create for my athletes is going to help them have a better training session. We want to work hard and we want to like work through hard things. But if I can give you an environment where it's like, okay, I'm set up for success. I know I can do this. Yes, I'm being pushed. MT's got my back and here we go. Like you're going to get so much more out of that than like if I'm in a crappy mood and the whole mood is off and like everybody doesn't want to be there. It just makes things like that much better. And so like that positive environment, I think is what kind of takes like that training to the next level. Because, like, I could write the perfect program, which I don't think I have by any means, hopefully one day. But if, like, how I execute that program is just like, "Eh, here you go, okay, you're going to do X, Y, and Z things, like, it's not going to be enjoyable. People are going to get work done, and they might get marginally better. But if you have, like, in my opinion, so I love having, like, kind of that positivity just, like, going Mm -hmm. and, like, just thinking in a positive mindset. And so I always like to talk about, like, I want my cells to be happy. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I'm in a good mood and, like, I'm feeling joyful, then my cells are also in a good mood. Mm -hmm. So, like, I would anecdotally swear by this. Like, I stay healthier. Mm -hmm. I feel better. If I can, like, operate in happy cell land, like, Mm -hmm. that's where I want to (laughs) be. So I think that that relentless happiness is, like, one of your superpowers. And that's something that just seems, like, so ingrained in you and so I want to know like where did that come from all of a sudden you're in a really hard season and like maybe it's not cheating but at some point the rug will be swept under you again like what happens to that I would say like I think it's always been in there but I like started to realize it more in college Um, and part of that like played college basketball but my role for three years literally was like to show up and have energy. And then like there were days, I think there were days where I played defense for like three hours. So like three hours of defense in basketball is just horrible. Like it's the least exciting thing you can do. And part of it too, I think for me was like, I'm going to one, I'm going to prove to myself that I can do this and I'm not going to let a coach or somebody else in this case, a coach like dictate how I respond now, of course, there are going to be days where I'm like, the hell, man? Like, this sucks. Why am I doing this? But the flip side of that is, like, I learned kind of how to compete with myself and learned that, like, yeah, coach might control my playing time, but really 
how I go about things and how I do things and prepare in the long run is more meaningful than the minutes I played in college. And I think just learning, like kind of learning that tenacity, but also like if I can be tenacious and positive, that's actually going to take me further than just being like tenacious and like block everybody out, not have time for anybody. And so like looking back now, I'm like, well, this has served me really well because it helped me like buckle down and work two jobs and then volunteer 40 hours a week at UVA to get experience and like get my foot in the door. Um, and kind of has created that mentality of like, I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to let somebody tell me I can't do something. And if I don't leave like this trail of burned bridges and like trying to walk all over people, I'm going to be even better for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, did that answer both questions? Yeah. And I think you do it with a joyful heart and it makes people want to do it too. That happiness is above any resentment or like mitigates any resentment. Mm -hmm. You might be like harvesting for people, your coaches, your teammates who get to play, the person that got a job over you, whatever like the example is in anyone's life. Like that happiness is almost like the cure to resentment and resentment cutting up wounds inside you that you then need to go back and, and fix and heal. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to touch on was just your vulnerability. I think you do a really good job of being super open with me personally, but I'm sure anyone that walks into your office and like asks you a question, you're really good at opening up about your own experiences and kind of showing some of that either pain or that experience and resonating with that person in a way that's very vulnerable and not like condescending or one day you'll learn. How did that come about? How did you feel comfortable being in a place that's vulnerable with people? Because it's not, you're not just vulnerable with Abby or your close friends. Like I would venture to say you're vulnerable with anyone who wants to really see inside you and see your heart. So how did you get through that barrier and then how do you navigate that in a society where maybe that isn't as like accepted or expected? Mm-hmm. I think part of it is like it goes back to that relationship piece. So like building a connection with my athletes and kind of making that investment and showing like, hey, I've got your back. We're on the same team. And I think that also furthers kind of that buy-in is like the more – I'm not going to just like come and unload everything, but in situations or conversations, whatever it might be, try and share some of those little like glimpses to be like, Hey, I'm also a real person. I'm not just your coach. (laughs) Um, And I think that like that increases that buy-in and it makes it easier for the athletes to feel comfortable too, where it's like, yeah, we want to be big and tough and strong and whatever, but that's only like one side of things. And the more, like the more experience I have, the more I'm like, we got to be mindful of everything. So like, yes, our physical health, but also like mentally, how's our mental health? uh, How's our emotional health? How's our spiritual health? Like all these things factor into being able to perform optimally, if you will, whether it's in life or sport or whatever. And so if one of those things is off, like that can totally 
mess things up for how somebody's going to approach a situation or whatnot. And so with that, like just learning, and I would say even going back to that year and a half I spent in Charlottesville, just taking stock of myself. The dark days at Starbucks. (laughs) The dark days at Starbucks. And like processing through and like really understanding my identity and not wrapping my identity up in like what I do or what people think of me. And I think that's also something is you have to reach a point where it's like, yeah, respectfully, I'm going to just go against what society is saying is normative right now or whatever it is. And kind of one of my big soapboxes is like, I feel like now there's this huge lack of like actually good men. We've got a lot of boys in this state, in this country, not to get like political, but we have a lot of boys and not a lot of like men who, Hey, I can be vulnerable. I can be wrong. I don't always have to be right. I don't have to have the last word, that kind of thing. And I think we've kind of construed or misconstrued rather what it is to be a man into something that like it actually isn't sure. There's an element of like be big, tough and strong, but if you want to have like actual connection with people, you can't just always be big, tough and strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be able to like empathize with them and share with them. And not that you have to share everything with everybody, but I think just understanding and kind of having that like social acumen of like, Oh, this is the right time to share whatever it is. And maybe I'm just sharing that. So like you can understand that I'm trying to empathize with you and like, journey with you in whatever you're experiencing or it might just be like hey this is a great opportunity for me to share something that's like personal about me so my athlete or the coach I'm working with understands me better and as a result we can have an even better working relationship or coach athlete relationship whatever it is and so just kind of trying to pick and choose those and then the people that are kind of in that inner circle, those are the people where it's like, I can be really vulnerable and be, you know, I can share, hey, this is what's going on. This is how I'm feeling. Like having that good inner circle, again, so like if you're walking through those different seasons or things that are really difficult or even things that are really awesome, like I think you, it's good to remember that too of like you want to have that inner circle where it's like, dude, I'm, life is just, dishing out everything it's got and Mm -hmm. I'm getting crushed right now. But then on the flip side, like whether it's coming out of that season or there's something that really great happens, like, I don't know, you get a promotion or you start that new dream job that you've been working towards for however long. Like those are also the people that like they saw you in, Mm -hmm. in the mud and now Mm -hmm. it's like, Hey, it's time to celebrate. Look at everything that's happened. Um, that kind of goes back to that vulnerability too of like, they've seen it all. Yeah. They know it all. Yeah. There's there's nothing secretive about you to them, and they're ready to, like, pick you up when you need to be picked up and then ready to celebrate when you need to be celebrated. Yeah. I think vulnerability, <laughs> there's a lot of, like, fake vulnerability in society. Totally. Real vulnerability, I feel like, requires so much bravery and so much strength. You might lose your close friends over that. Or, you know, it's, like, goes both ways. Either... Those friends are there for you when you're high. And then when you get in the lows, your friends 
are not there, nowhere mm-hmm. to be seen. They don't have time for you anymore. They don't want to hear about it as many times as you want to talk about it. And on the flip side, maybe they're there for you when you're down. But as soon as life starts going your way, they're <laughs> the ones that are jealous. They're the ones that yep. are envious. And so vulnerability is super hard in your tiny circles too because it goes back to that like trusting like who can I trust it's risky yeah it's risky risky (laughs) business out here (laughs) this has been awesome it has I actually don't think I need to edit anything I don't know if we do I feel like like we said one take that's how we do it here at Gonzaga we're just get it done (laughs) get it done put your head down and get it done that's right thanks for being on the podcast and just being vulnerable with me and with all the people listening people are really going to be blessed by this so thanks for joining me of course thanks for having me